hello there. I'm Ellen. I'm the pussycat half of Pea Green Boat. In this podcast, I'll be talking about the real you, the person you've always dreamed of being. And I'll also be talking about all the things that get in the way of you being that person, that stop you being that person, and what we might be able to do to change that. I'll often be chatting with my fellow coach and longtime friend Fiona Dove. Fiona is the other half of Pea Green Boat. And with lots of other fascinating people from all over the world that we've both been fortunate to meet. So join me here for our weekly chats, full of laughter and ideas, ideas that can open doors for you. So grab yourself a coffee, hop on board Pea Green Boat, and we'll have a gentle sail down the river. This podcast about trust. I've been having a lot of issues with it recently, and trust is always such an issue. I have it. We all have it. And I won't work with people I don't feel I can trust. Most of us don't. I expect you don't either. We often can't explain the feeling, but we know it deep in our bones. We just know when we can't trust somebody. And similarly, we know when we can trust them. It's an instinctual thing, a gut thing, something we just know. So how do we get to trust someone? Well, for me, I have to trust that gut feeling. I have to feel that I'm going to be okay with this person. And I must admit, my gut feeling is usually right. And it's certainly something that I I will go with, I will trust even if it turns out later that occasionally I'm wrong, but it is only occasionally. You feel into yours. I bet you you have the same thing. It's It's a whole human thing. It's a thing we all share, and we share it with the animals too. We have this gut instinct, and actually it works. But I don't just trust all the gut instinct, but I don't just trust the gut instinct. I'll also go and look the person up if I can. And nowadays, of course, that's so much easier. Now we have Google. Most people have something about them on Google, on their website, on social media, somewhere. An awful lot of people do have social media. Of course, if they haven't, then you really are going to be down on that gut. And it's still worth working with it. Really, it is. But so I can go to Google. I can go and look and see what they've done and where and with whom and when. And if it's a coach or a teacher, I can look them up and see what references they have, what they've done work-wise, who with and where. I had an example of that this morning. I had a call with this person that I wanted to know more about, that I wanted to get to know her. I'd seen her and it looked good. It looked, wow, I think a thread there. I think there's a thread there that we can share. So I looked her up on her website and that was interesting. It really was. Lots of things in common. And that's always a good start when you find you've got things in common with somebody. It doesn't always work, but it very often does. So then I checked her on LinkedIn. Uh, it was a businessy call. Well, a partly business call, but I like to have my friends as business friends as well, not just somebody that I work with for business. 
I like my relationships a lot closer than that. So anyway, I looked her up on LinkedIn. Wow, more commonalities. And a really interesting thing. On her LinkedIn profile, she got a video of why it could be a good idea to hire her as a keynote speaker. That wasn't what I wanted to do. Well, not at the moment anyway, but I wanted to get to know her. And I thought, well, this is going to tell me something. More than that, it's going to show me something. So I turned it on, watched, and it was good. She told of her past experience of the many things she'd done, and she really has, and how they've helped her grow, how they've helped her change, how they've helped her become who she is now. I loved it. And I got to see her speaking. And she was speaking to an audience. I mean, she wasn't looking at me. She wasn't wasn't like across the screen in Zoom where, you know, you're face on to somebody. I can do that and that works too. This was like I was watching her from afar, almost sneak previewing. But it works too because you don't feel that personal involvement. You're just watching how the person is with people. And I could hear her voice, of course. Voices mean a lot to me. I like voices. And when you get a good voice, well, no, good's not the right word. When you get a voice that works for you, that resonates for you, that you like listening to, that always helps. And when I hear a voice that I like, that helps to bring that feeling of trust in again. And of course, I heard her words. And the whole thing worked very well. I'd begun before I started any of this looking up, feeling that I could trust her and that I wanted to be with her and talk with her and chat and get to know her. Seeing and hearing her live in the video like this really reinforced that. But what she'd been willing to tell was a big marker for the trust too. She showed herself as vulnerable. She showed up her vulnerable bits. She showed that she was just an ordinary person, not some superstar, some omniscient who never gets things wrong. That never does anything for anybody with trust. At least I don't think it does. But as well as that, she showed that she'd had lots of life experience in lots of different situations with lots of different people. And that's really important as well. It was good that I got a whole rounded version of her, a feeling of where she'd been and what she'd done and where and who and why and when, what and all those things. And it was really important. And she showed herself as having lots of different life experience too, in different situations, with different people, in different places. It was really helpful. She's done lots of very interesting things too, and things that some of them I wouldn't dream of doing, but I can really sort of look at and go, wow, that's really fun. And I'm going to want to say, tell me about it more when we actually get to chat. I find it useful in business and with business calls, business and semi-business calls as well, ones that are only half business, to have a broad view of where the person is coming from. What sort of background life has brought them to be the person I'm about to meet? Knowing it lessens the number of potential cock-ups 
the number of parameters where I could mess up, and I can, where I might offend, where I might sound ridiculous. And that helps with trust too. Very few people actually like to offend other people. Very few people like to mess up. They don't like to sound ridiculous, and they don't like to sound nasty or any of those things. So if I feel that I'm not likely to with this person, then my trust level goes up again as well. So thinking about all that, especially the background stuff, that really helps me to find a fairly open position for myself to come to them with. Now, that's just as important because I'm having these issues, but I don't care how experienced and how wonderful they are, they probably have them too. I think you'd have to be a really thick, stuck, concrete person, and I'm not really sure there are any of those. But anyway, you'd have to be really stuck in your own head so that you didn't care about the other person in a conversation. But if you're worrying about how you're coming over all the time, you're not actually focusing on the other person, so you're not hearing them, and you're not actually looking trustworthy. If you're focusing on you, then you actually will look as though you're focusing on you, as though you're thinking of the next thing you can say to get in the conversation, how you're going to answer them, not listening to what they say. They're going to feel less important. That never works. So if I feel comfortable and they feel comfortable, then the whole trust thing between the two of us has some rock underneath it. It's not like we're trying to build our trust castle on a bed of sand or a bed of mud. Now, I've noticed that things that are important for me as a human being, a person, are often important for others too. I think this goes for all of us. And I try to show myself to others as an old and very good writer's adage, show, don't tell. So I try to show who I am. But of course, I also need to do a bit of telling because I'm going to be speaking while we're having our chat. And sometimes people getting to know me, they're going to read my social media. They're going to read my website. They're going to read my books, all this stuff. They won't just be there watching me, talking to me one-to-one, face-to-face, nor just watching videos of me. So I try to take that show-don't-tell thing, writing skill, into the craft of how I write about me, how I write the stuff on social media and websites and all that. And, you know, I don't know whether you've had a go at it, but it can be shit hard to do. (laughs) To talk about ourselves as we really are deep inside can be so hard, so difficult. I've been looking at the reasons for that because I'm currently in the middle of what they call rebranding. You see, I sound embarrassed even when I say it. Anyway, I'm putting myself over in a different way for different reasons to possibly a different audience. Well, definitely a different audience, actually. And so I'm there, like, what's holding me up? What's getting me stuck? Why am I sort of blathering and ridiculous or coming over all sort of cold and hard or whatever it is? And I'm not working how I want to be. So I've been really hunting up those pivot points that stick me. And I put down a couple of them here because I think 
possibly they may well be things that stick all of us. And there are going to be times when we all have to be the person we are in our work, in our personal relationships, in whatever we do. And one of the problems is that I often don't actually remember the pivot points that help to make me who I am. I know them so well. I know them far too well. It's like I know the route from the lounge to the bathroom. I don't need to think about it. I do it on autopilot. And these pivot points, I've like got them inside me. But unless I actually go digging for them, as I did earlier this morning, I forget them. I just pass straight over them. I don't notice them. I don't see them. But I bet we all do it. And having spent the morning doing it, I found it really revealing. And it was like I stirred up a pool of all sorts of stuff that was there deep down, but I hadn't looked at it for years and I'd sort of pushed it into the not important corner of the cupboard. And you know, some of the things, well, some of the time, I was really embarrassed by some of the amazing things that have happened in my life. It was really hard thinking about them. I mean, even thinking about them now a bit, I feel like I don't want to show off. And I have had a few amazing things happen to me. But if I tell people about them, I may turn them off. And that is really a throwback to my very first school days. I was nearly five and it happened. And it makes me cringe now to remember it. The other kids called me a liar and a show off. But I wasn't lying. At the age of nearly five, you don't know that what's normal in your home life likely isn't normal for many others. And nor do you realise that they may well be jealous. Or that jealous people often get angry and then they get nasty because they feel threatened. So they hit back really hard. When kids do this to each other, I'm sure you've seen it, and likely many of us have this experience in our own pasts. When kids hit back at you when you're very little too, it's really devastating. And that one is still there. So it came up and got a cuddle this morning. That helps. It's going to need some more. It's going to need some more work for me to climb out of that one and work out how to be able to tell people the exciting things so that they're exciting and they don't sound like I'm just being a snotty bugger and showing off. I want to take that last one a bit further. The thing that where things have happened to you that are so gorgeous, but they're embarrassing because they're so gorgeous. Our society nowadays has a whole kudos thing. Like some jobs are higher class than others. And we're really trained and encouraged, probably from near when we pop out of the womb, like to give more respect to a doctor or a solicitor than we would to the person who cleans the toilets or does the till in the petrol station. Even saying that now, that really, that really is appalling for me. I don't like it. I don't like those attitudes. And little example, for instance, I'm crippled. I've got rheumatoid arthritis and osteoporosis and three broken bones in my spine. 
hands and twisted hands and all sorts of weird things like that. I'm absolutely fine. We, we're very used to each other, so don't go pitying me. But it does make things like cleaning my own toilet very difficult for me. Actually, cleaning my whole house is really difficult. So I've got a cleaner. And she amazes me. After three hours' work with her, or from her, the house is just fabulous. It's so gorgeous. And it's so much better than I could do even before I was crippled. I really wasn't that good at cleaning. She is. She's bloody whiz at it. And she has my full respect for that. I couldn't do her job. And I certainly don't think of her as a lesser person. I couldn't do without her. Going the other way, I respect my doctor too. She's also very good at her job. And I couldn't do without her either. I need her. I've got lots of things wrong with me. She helps to keep me going and keep me standing on my feet and able to enjoy myself and play with you guys and do podcasts and everything else. They're both vital to me. One isn't better than the other. I need both of them. And they both have my full respect. So where am I going with that? Well, like I said, crazy wonderful things have happened to me in my past, but I'm still an ordinary person. And Am I making sense with that word? As part of me doesn't like saying ordinary person, but I am ordinary. I've had different things happen to me, different things to you, but you've probably had amazing things happen to you, to you that I haven't had. I mean, one of the amazing things is I'm a best-selling author, and not everyone is. Mind you, not everyone wants to be either, but that happens to be something I can do. Like my doctor's a really good doctor, and my cleaner is an absolutely fabulously magic cleaner. Some of the things that have happened to me in my past, through work, lots of it in the MOD, but not all, that's the Ministry of Defence for people abroad, lots of it, I've met people like Nobel Prize winning physicists. I've worked with the CEOs of Rolls-Royce and British Aerospace and met world-renowned engineers. And I was so gorgeously lucky. I met the man who invented digital computers. He's called Tommy Flowers, or he was. He's dead now, poor soul. He was the man who invented digital computers for Bletchley Park. And unfortunately, he's hardly known in the general world because of various official secrets acts and things like that. That was a real thrill meeting him. Again, through the MOD, I've met people working in special ops. And outside of that, I've met famous authors. And one of my favourites is Humphrey Hawksley, whose novels I really like, but I also like his journalism. I've had that sort of a life where I've been able to meet wonderful, crazy people. But meeting and working with them doesn't make me extraordinary. Maybe if I'd been the one who invented E equals MC squared, I might be extraordinary. I don't know. I suspect he didn't think of himself as that particularly. And anyway, he liked cats. So that makes him one of the good guys in my heart. So back to trust. One of the things we need to feel in order to trust someone is not to feel overwhelmed by them. And I suppose that's part of what I worry about, you know, that 
yeah, you met the man who invented digital computers and you met Humphrey Hawksley and things like that. People are going to go, oh my goodness me, she's special. But I don't feel special inside. I feel fortunate, happy that these things have happened. But I don't feel more special than you. I don't feel better than anyone else because of the jobs that I do. I just feel ordinary. And I like that. So I try not to overwhelm people. Maybe me knowing these folk can be scary to some people. They might think, if she knows them, then she won't want to know me. And that might be going on deep inside them. Please don't think that. I do want to know you. One of the reasons why I found all these people easy and fun to be with is that they were easy to talk to, easy to ask questions of, and none of them looked down on me, even if they perfectly understood E equals MC squared, whereas I don't. I think that's a big reason for all of us, that we don't want to be looked down on. We don't want to be made to feel small and incompetent. And so we trust people who we feel won't make us feel like that, who won't do this to us. Another thing is we want to be heard. Everybody wants to be heard. We all need a good listening to, not a good talking to. And yes, we want to listen to them, but we want to be heard as well. So it goes both ways. We need to hear and they need to hear. We need to listen and they need to listen. The author Catherine Blythe does it rather well in her book, The Art of Conversation. It's not everybody's read, but just this little tiny bit will probably tell you about it. She puts it that the art of conversation is about the encounter of two minds, both tactful enough to listen, confident enough to express their true beliefs, and subtle enough to search out the reasons behind each other's thoughts. I really like that that we're tactful enough to listen, confident enough to express our own true beliefs, and subtle enough to gently search out the reasons for the other person's thinking too, not jump on them like a load of bricks. It's certainly something, an absolute baseline thing, we really all have to work on as coaches. But it's not just as coaches either. It's good for everybody to do that. Everybody to have a go at working on listening, being tactful enough to listen and confident enough to express our own beliefs and subtle enough to gently search out the reasons for the other person's thinking. We need it in personal relationships, definitely in business as well, and leadership. We need it with working with our children. We need to learn to listen to them and search out their reasons for why they think something too. And we even need to work on it with nature. Nature does listen to us. The environment does listen to us. It actually speaks back to us. That takes a bit of practice to hear and understand, but we can all do it. I've done it with lots of people. Help them to do it. But it's really about listening and hearing and noticing and being quiet inside and giving the other person space and time. All of that is so important if we want people to trust us. 
And it's the things that we want in order to trust other people. And when we feel them from someone, then we feel we can really trust them. And that is such a beautiful feeling. It's the feeling I want in all of my business relationships, with clients, with colleagues, with everybody. I don't just want it with friends. I want it throughout my life. I want to feel that trust and feel that joy that I can listen and hear and notice, be quiet inside with them and give the other person their space and time and that they will do it for me. And that art of conversation, it's actually the art of living too, it comes from practice. We all need to practice it. The more we do it, the more we think about it, well, don't think about it, feel about it, the more we feel into it, the more other people will feel safe with us and we will feel safe with them. It'll be real deep in our bones. Well, that's it for this week. I'm going off to do some more trusty stuff and see what I can bring up for myself and learn about learn from it. So I'll see you all next week. Bye for now. Well, thank you for joining our weekly sail on Pea Green Boat. Time to stop now. If you'd like to know more, you can meet me at www.ellensentier.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn as well. So let's connect. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And thank you so much to Wahoo Media who produced this podcast for me. See you next week. Bye for now.